Hi, this is Caitlin Kano, and welcome to the Compass Catholic Podcast. Before we start today's episode, I want to let our listeners know about some exciting changes we've been working on with our podcast. John and Evelyn will be stepping away from their roles as co-host of the Manager Money God's Way podcast. And a big thank you to them and to Steve Hoyas. Thank you so much, Steve, for your years of dedication to evangelizing through the Manager Money God's Way podcast. They left some pretty big shoes to fill. Going forward, my co-host Diana Rojas and I will be releasing episodes every Wednesday. We'll focus on providing you money tips, information, and stories from a variety of experts. As always, we'll stick to creating this podcast from an authentically Catholic viewpoint. We'll keep you in our prayers, and we ask that you keep us in yours. Thanks for joining us. Hi there, Caitlin. How are you today? I am doing good, Diana. How was your day? You know, well, by the time that this airs, it won't be exact date, but today was my first day back at work, aka school. Um, so it was actually a really good first day back, all things considered, right? So um, at my school, we are doing the hybrid style. So some kids were in the classroom and some kids were at home, but it was really surprisingly smooth sailing. Um, it's a lot of new procedures for the kids as far as dismissal and drop off and all that stuff. So it, the day looked extremely different, but I was surprised. I was like, wow, I'm not that tired today. <laughs> um, I was telling you earlier, I just have a sore throat because we have to all wear masks. So I felt like I was yelling the whole day and I kind of was cause I had to be heard. But other than that, my day went pretty well. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are getting back to, it's, it's not really normal. I mean, it's a new normal, right? But my husband's starting to go back a few days a week and uh, he works a lot from home, but he's also getting back into the office. And um, I know I have a work trip scheduled, which is exciting Ooh. Like, I get to get on an airplane. That's, that's something I haven't done in a while. So I'm really excited about that, but we're all trying to figure out what this looks like. And um, you're a teacher. I have four kids. Um, it's not just the adults, right? Like no. this looks different to children. It looks different to educators. It's it's everyone. And so I think sometimes when we, you know, get wrapped up in our, um, our own world of how is this affecting me? You know, sometimes mm. it's important to take a step back and think about how it's affecting other people, including children. So um, I'm excited. That's kind of our, our topic of yeah. today's show. It is leads right in when we're talking about uh, today's topic, we're talking about the financial consequences of our different education options that we're being presented with because every decision we make and everything that gets handed down, you know, towards us that we have to, we have to manage is going to have financial consequences. I mean, it's just going to. Um, and even if the consequences aren't like dollars and cents, it affects our time and time is funny because mm -hmm. um, we're only given so much of it. So I'm thrilled for today's guest. Um, we're going to bring her on screen in a second. Her name is Erin Kiger, and Erin's an educator. She's been an educator for almost 17 years. She's been an elementary teacher, a K-12 instructional tech coach. She's worked in higher ed, and she has an education consulting business. Um, so she's really the perfect person to bring on today to talk about all the different education options um, because she has 
taught in them. And she's also a mom herself. And so I'm excited to have Erin come on and talk with us and talk about the different financial implications of all of our COVID education options. Hopefully it's only a few months that we're going to have to be living this way, but who knows? So let's examine all the financial implications for us, for the schools. And so whatever decision we make, we feel like we're doing it with all the best information we can we can present. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Erin in. There she is. Hey, Erin. Hello, ladies. How are you? We're good. And we're just thrilled that you're here today. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. It's, I'm very excited to talk to you both. And like Caitlin said earlier, you know, God willing, this will all end soon. But if it doesn't, I think it's a good opportunity to just learn about the implications of each of these decisions so you can make a better decision and just be well informed. Because I think where I struggle sometimes is making a decision because I don't have enough information. So yeah. here's your chance, get some information, take some notes. So um, let's just dive right into it. One of the first options that we have, which I think most schools, at least I know the ones in Miami, most schools chose distance learning or distance education or however you want to call that virtual school. So I guess, Aaron, can you explain to us what is that really? What does it look like? And then just some of the implications financially that that may have on on the decision to, to put your child in distance learning, or if that's a choice that was made for you at your child's school. Sure, so you have, um, you have multiple distance learning, I don't wanna call them platforms, but opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have the school itself that is currently, it was a brick and mortar traditional school. It's traditional, just like we went to school, you, the parents went to school, right? And so what they're doing is they're trying to figure out how to make what we do, what we did this time last year, fit online. Like, how does this work, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have um, schools that are like, um, they're online, like they're already online. Anything that's K-12, anything that's in Florida, we have Florida Virtual Academy. Um, there are a number of online opportunities for students that were there probably in the last 10, 15 years. And they have built their program with this online learning in mind. So mm -hmm. the way that they approach online learning is different than the way that we're gonna approach online learning because we don't have um, the resources, we don't have all of the structures in place. Um, and parents coming in don't necessarily have all of the information to compare the two. Hmm. So even that, so in our public district where my charter school is, the public school said you can continue online learning with us or you can enroll in our, um, our county's online school. Hmm. And so then the schools aren't losing any funding for that child the district isn't losing any funding for that child. But for example, my charter, they're going to lose funding if that family decides to go in one of the online schools because we're not actually part of the district. Mm. Now, as far as the financial implication for families, you know, there's still the school supplies. Um, likely there's still any sort of uniform or dress code mm -hmm. that you have, which you would already be spending either way. So that is really, um, similar across the board, right? Your biggest thing is making sure that your internet is fast enough and that your device can handle whatever your child is going to be doing. And you have multiple children um, that are gonna need to share a device or that are gonna have um, 
need multiple devices? Do you need a device because you're having to work from home? Mm. Are you able to work from home and help facilitate your child's learning? Or do you have to find childcare that will help facilitate your child's learning because you have to go to work? So mm. a lot of the things that I have a two-year-old, a lot of the things that I have to consider now our elementary age parents are having to consider like financially because of what districts are mandating and districts are mandating this because the states are mandating this. And, you know, the, the states, they, I mean, realistically, we can't, we can't make everybody happy. So we just kind of have to go through it blindly and say, well, we think this is the best for the majority of the people and every state looks different. So it is important to make sure that your child has that, um, that quiet space to really be able to think and focus, but that does not necessarily mean that you need to make your home look like a school. Mm. Couches, kitchen tables will do, right? But they, they, they do recommend that you draw the line like at a kitchen table because you want that, that different place for like that family time. Mm. Um, but you know, do you, do you need to sit on your bed? Laying, not so much, but do you need to sit on your bed because you're comfortable? Floor, does that work? Just have a pillow, you know, so but you be flexible and be creative. And so that can also play into your funding. Like you don't have to go out and spend a ton of money. And if you do have any asynchronous flexibility with your instruction or your child's instruction rather, maybe you don't need two devices. Maybe you can, you know, work on, sharing that device, make that schedule with them. No, I think those are really good points because it's not just, you were going back to what you were saying about um, the charters, if they don't have the right, they don't have the same numbers as last year, that's going to affect their budget moving forward. So our decisions aren't being made in a vacuum. As we make a decision for our family, um, it's important that we consider also school's budgets next year, because if we pull our children from one charter, and put them, you know, into a distance um, education program that's already been structured and, and everything else that will affect things budget wise. And maybe the spots won't be there at your charter in the future years because the funding wasn't there to sustain them going forward. So one option or that you may have or that your school may have is completely distance learning. So I, I'm not sure if any schools are doing this, but just regular traditional instruction. So again, can you just kind of explain what that looks like? Um, and what that may, uh, if that's really an option right now for a lot of schools. Sure. So in, I, I know, right, Diana and I are both in Florida. Mm -hmm. So our state mandated that we offer face-to-face -face instruction. They didn't mandate that you have to do it for everybody, but they mandated that you offer it basically for the families who have no other option. Like it's just, they need a place for their kids to go to school. And so in that particular situation, depending on your district, depending on your school, what they're looking at is they're looking at capacity, right? So our, my school, right? I can't speak about Diana's because we're in different uh, parts of a very long state. <laughs> <laughs> um, my school, my district is looking at, um, at most a 50% capacity. So basically if you've got a class of, you know, 24 kids, they don't want more than 12 kids. And the reason that is, is because they want to be able to distance mm -hmm. seated, you know, four to six feet, ideally six, depending on the size of the, the desk and the size of the children, you know, um, it might, it might look a little more like four feet, but it's offered. And so then um, what ends up happening is the children come in and they're new 
routines, new procedures with masks and with sanitizer and with um, your supplies. Like there, there's no community supplies. Um, so you're not buying two, you know, every child in the class of 24 buys two glue sticks and it all goes into the same pot. And so then you don't really have to buy glue sticks, you know, unless the kids go glue stick crazy um, for the rest of the year. <laughs> it does happen. It um, does. <laughs> you know, but that that's the beauty of community supplies is, no, it's not just your child's, but you're not financially responsible for that anymore because all of the families have chipped in. We can't do that anymore. So now it literally falls on the parents or the teachers. And the teachers aren't getting paid anymore. In fact, most teachers, because of the budget cuts, because of the lack of funding, because of all the crazy COVID and everything like that, a lot of teachers either got pay cuts or um, or their salaries were frozen. So they're like all of this extra stuff, the schools may or may not be able to supply, the teachers may or may not be able to supply, and then the parents may or may not be able to supply. So just keeping in mind, if you, as a, as, a, as a family, have your child in school face-to-face, -face, a lot of it is going to look very similar financially and um, instructionally, like I'm standing here and I'm talking to you um, and I'm teaching you like with my board and everything like that, but it's gonna look different in the fact that they don't have everything that the teacher now can have can provide them because you don't want that cross-contamination. So you're gonna be asked to, provide more supplies. Um, and then a lot of the a lot of the support that teachers can provide um, in close proximity, like we can't do that anymore. So that's gonna look different. A lot of the engagement structures and strategies, getting up and moving around and talking to partners, we can't do that anymore. So financially it looks different, but also academically it's just gonna look different. And so keeping those two things in mind, like what is gonna work better really what's gonna work better for your child and what's gonna work better for your family. Yeah, and I think it's important too that we, we be aware of needing to be flexible. Um, that we, my children's school has gone back traditional. It's been such a blessing. They've been in school for the past week. I have not gotten so much more work done as I have <laughs> I mean, this entire summer. I think I feel like that entire amount I got done today, right? So. I love that they're back and I feel like it's being done very safely. I, I feel comfortable. And I know at any moment, someone in their class could come up positive for COVID and they're going to have to shut down. Like what else do you do? Because that's what, you know, the policy says and the diocese, the diocese says. So I think parents need to be aware of having flexibility in their budget, access to um, pay time off, all these different things, because you could find yourself, one day with your child in traditional education and the next day they're bounced to distance education because they have to be safe. So I think that's important for us to remember is we need to be flexible with our schedule, flexible with our budgets, um, knowing that schools are just gonna make the best decisions they can day by day for the health and safety of our children. Um, but yeah, it's important that we have those flexibility measures built into our budget. Does that mean that you have extra PTO on the books? Does that mean that you have extra emergency fund? Does that mean you have ac access to a nanny or some kind of childcare service? Those things need to be thought of before you get the phone call that your child's school is being closed down. And honestly, it's just have a plan B, plan mm -hmm. C, plan D. And if you are an employer and you have employees, like 
the world right now is asking teachers and education to be flexible, but the reality is, is that none of this is going to, like, none of this is going to go away. And if it starts to spread because the kids are coming, like if it doesn't, great, then, then, then plan A works, but be prepared just in case from like all levels to say, okay, you, you know what? You need to work from home, work from home. Like as an employer, be aware too. be prepared financially as an employer, as a parent, as a, you know, educator, as a, anybody, the only person that doesn't need to be financially responsible are the kids, but they got their own problems right now. <laughs> But the last option, and I actually get so excited talking about this. I don't know why, but homeschooling. So I've never been a homeschool mom or teacher, obviously. But um, yeah, if you could just speak on that a little bit, Erin, and what that might look like and, and feel like for parents and how how that option might be a viable option for some people. Think about think about your child. <laughs> think about you. It's not every parent wants to, wants to be with their child all mm -hmm. day long because they they need to work or they need to have some some alone time you know and there's nothing wrong with that there is nothing wrong with that there's a, literally no judgment um but like my child goes down for a nap that's my me time um, <laughs> um so but you know thinking about do you have a background in education because if you don't then you might jump into the pool and you might not know where, where to swim to. Just mm -hmm. doing some doggy paddles, right? Um, thinking you, okay, so in a school, what's provided? A lot of the supplies are provided, you have to do that. All of the curriculum, so the standards, the assessments, the, um, the material, the plan, the plan on how, on what to teach your child, it's all there. All of the materials to teach the curriculum, the programs, the books, the, not only the teacher editions and the workbooks and that, the worksheets and all of that traditional stuff, but we've got novel studies and we've got picture books and we've got teachers have spent thousands of dollars on their own libraries mm -hmm. that they say here, plus the library that's in your building. You have to, you don't have to provide it to the same degree, but there needs to be some of those materials, plus the things like rulers and scissors and crayons and paper and all of those kind of things. You don't have to think about like gas, but what about that social element? How are you providing your child with that social interaction? Like, are they in gymnastics? Are they in some sort of sport? Are you part of a co-op where, you know, one day a week for half a day, your child is going and interacting with other children based on all of that? How much does that co-op cost? Do you have a, like a tutoring service? Or do you have like a, a coach that you go to as a parent of a homeschool, like a homeschool child because you don't have that education background? You know, so many things can you do all of that while you work or are you a home home stay at home parent like so many pieces that does all of that come together and like outweigh the not outweigh but does it does it outweigh the fact that you get to meet the needs of your child and you have a lot of flexibility um, with your schedule because they don't have you don't your kids can roll out of bed in pajamas and boom, start your day. You don't have to drive anywhere. Or if somebody's sick, you can be like, you know what, we're just going to take a half a day at school. And it doesn't go on anybody's attendance. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't have to write a note to the teacher. Oh, I know. <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, so there's yeah. a lot of flexibility, but there's also a lot of um, a lot. You as the parent, you have to learn how to be just as structured 
as a regular teacher. And if that's just not something that's in your heart, then maybe that's not the right choice for you. Yeah, and that was not the right choice for me. <laughs> I love them, but I that was not going to work out for our family. We've considered it. And so some other financial um, things we need to think about, if that's something that you are considering, which I think it's beautiful. If you can do it, I just think it's it's a really neat way to you know learn with your child. And as long as you have the right curriculum, right support, you know how to ask for help, you know when to ask for help, um, all those different things. Uh, I feel like it could be a really great, experience um not one that i'm doing but it, i think it's great but no some judgment, other, no judgment. <laughs> but um some other considerations is some um there's curriculums you can purchase and have access to that have access to other forms of support there's really great catholic curriculums um you can look them up and um we can put some links to different ones in our podcast notes um so you can go and look at those and see if they would fit with your family style your teaching style but something to think about with those is that they also offer community. So, you know, there's one where um, they will make sure the parents get the actual training so they can um, feel supported, feel like they are not doggy paddling their way through homeschooling, which I think is a really good analogy because even if you're staying afloat, like you're not getting anywhere. So they provide that kind of stuff. Um, and those curriculums can range anywhere from a couple hundred a year to thousands. Uh, so it's really where it falls with your family, how many kids you're providing for. Um, once you start hom homeschooling with your oldest children, you can start recycling those materials. So the price become less and less severe every year. Um, you're also not buying uniforms. Um, you are making lunch within your home. So there's all those other costs that may offset um, you know, the, the other expenses you're taking on by homeschooling. So just things to think about. But for that, I would recommend finding a community, finding uh, people who've done it before and go to the notes in our, our podcast um, notes and we'll put some blogs in there and some information so you can pull that out and make the best decision for your family. I think those were all of the options we were going to talk about today. You know, I'm curious if you are listening and you have a different option that we didn't mention, go ahead. You can email us. You can call us. I would love to hear other options that we did not mention and see how that has been affecting you and your student or you financially. And we would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And Diana, before we wrap up, I just wanted to read a Bible passage from Philippians. I feel like it's applicable to this school year. Um, something we need to think about. And this is Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 13. I have learned in whatever situation I find myself to be self-sufficient. I know indeed how to live in humble circumstances. I also know how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. And I love that. And I think it speaks to this school year. We don't know what's coming up. We, you know, we, we could never have foreseen this in March. And here we are in every circumstance. We need to be humble. We need to be willing to learn. We need to be willing to admit that we need to go to prayer and consider every decision prayerfully, but it does not matter the circumstance. We can find strength for everything through him who empowers me. Think just before we close, if we could just end in prayer in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Come Holy spirit, Lord, we thank you. And we praise you. We thank you for the gift of our friend Erin and her wealth of knowledge and her willingness to share that with us and all of our listeners. 
Lord, as we start this school year, whether we're starting now or in a couple of weeks, we pray that you just bless all the teachers that they may lead with your guidance. Pray for all the parents making decisions for their student that they may make the wisest and most prudent decisions that they can for their students. And we pray for anyone in any kind of leadership role who has to decide something for a larger group of people, a larger community, an entire school, entire entire county of people that, that they may that they may take into consideration how important the decisions they are that they're making are and just really try and and seek your guidance on those decisions. Just thank you for the gift of sharing knowledge and sharing ideas and we pray that you can bless all of our listeners. I just want to pray for especially Erin in her school year this year that you can bless her Lord and bring her all the knowledge and safety and protection that she may need. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please subscribe and share it with a friend? We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or ideas for future episode topics, you can email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org or you can give us a call at 407-878-7637. We are so happy to be on this journey with you.